0: what the heck is up everybody we are back today is tuesday september 19th we are right in the thick of college football season and we got a little bit to talk about with the nfl today as well as well as sexual indecencies no way we got a little bit of everything for you today so thanks for tuning in To start off, before we get into a lot of football, you know, end up revealing this next week's Week 4 People's Top 10, let's start out with a little bit of drama. Might I say music? For those of you that live in a hole, last week was the VMAs. Basically brings in every major artist, they have a little bit of fun, they wear their Sunday best, and they go out and have a good time with everybody else and get awarded for some big music videos that happened throughout the last year. VMAs, big deal. For people that watched, most of the time you're just seeing camera feeds of Taylor Swift either grabbing a nomination, grabbing an award, just basically having fun because she had an insanely big year, made a lot of money on the Eras tour. So she was the main main deal, and camera kind of went around, went around her the whole entire time. However, <laughs> I will say, Selena Gomez made some noise. She made a whole lot of noise. Now, uh, Selena Gomez, if you didn't see all the memes all over Twitter, she saw Chris Brown, you know, not a lot of great news about Chris Brown throughout the last handful of years. He won a nomination, was going up to get his award, and you could see visible frustration on Selena Gomez's face. Uh, The easiest way to explain the face she made, if you haven't seen it, was it was like a mean duck face. It was like she was pissed off, but she was doing a duck face at the same time. A lot of emotion on it. So she ended up, you know, as always, social media just blew up. Uh, you, there was a meme for about everything, and I didn't know that Selena Gomez must not have experience in this, given that she's been famous since she was a Disney star when we were all kids. At least most of us were kids. She put on her Instagram story after all the the buzz, and she said, I will not be a meme again. I'd rather sit still and and than be dragged down for being myself. Interesting, very interesting take, especially since a lot of the, I mean, that was only half, half of what was even expressed on social media was the actual meme of her doing the big frown face however the other half was about how big her boobs were she looked good in the dress but uh i mean there's give and take you can't take all the you know big boob comments without getting a little bit of the you know you're getting meaned. and it's not even about her it was all i mean i think i saw a twitter story say um when the dick's too small <laughs> and then she just basically makes the mean duck face it's stupid. Come on. Get over it. It happens. You're a celebrity. You're going to get clowned at some point. And in this case, it wasn't even about you. It was that you made such a relatable face that people could make a meme off you. You can't tell Zoomers to stop doing what Zoomers do best. So, sorry, Selena. That, that's what I put as what's hot. Selena Gomez might say that's a what's not, but uh, I would care to disagree. As what's not, honestly, I might after saying it out loud, I kind of want to reverse them a little bit. But I put what's not as hand jobs. Yep. So Congresswoman Lauren Boebert has been removed as speaker of this upcoming Texas Youth Summit, and that is because she had an intimate moment on a first date, with uh, which was at this. Beetlejuice musical where she got a little intimate and was not only vaping but creating lewd sex acts Which after you watch the video was her date grabbing her breasts in public and also her stroking and groping His uh, his penis. Yeah, let's just tell it what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. She was groping his penis now She's 36 years old. She's a grown woman. Yes, she's a political candidate, but uh, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That's a little dope as shit. <laughs> You're telling me she's 36, blowing clouds, just hanging out, and uh, you know, getting a little action. There's a lot of people that I, uh, in the world, that I'd say are probably 36 and not getting that. Exactly. So I get, I'm not going to get into the politics of it. I'm not going to get into how it's a little hypocritical. Leave that for the CNN, the Fox news anchors. I'm just going to say, nice respect. <laughs> Good for you, Lauren. I did not know who you were before this, but it's, it's hilarious. It's fun. And, uh, I mean, at first I was going to say hand jobs are a what's not. I mean, just be a grown up already. But at the same time, in public, you know, we were all there at one point when we were teens, you know, working, working around the popcorn, but, uh, you know, she's, she's making moves and I I like the buzz. Something's heading in the right direction. there. So hand jobs, they're what's not. Some could call it a what's hot though leave it be. All right, let's get into football. Big weekend for college football. Most of what I got to say today is college football based. I got a couple storylines from the NFL. Some of you might find it interesting, but there is a lot to digest. I am excited about college football right now. I am going to talk about college football right now. And to start us off, why don't we reveal these, this, this next week's People's Top Ten? Let's see who earned the right to be in the People's Top Ten this week. There's a lot of consideration. In fact, I was in Austin, Texas this last week, and we, we, I spent a lot of that airport ride just digesting who did good on Saturday. Who did good last week? Who won? Who made a, who made a lot of noise? And so there was a lot of thought put into this, and I am excited to reveal the week four, People's Top Ten. At number one, we have not only a food group, but a college down in Texas. We got Rice as number one. Let's go. They went up from the five spot. Yes, we had a lot of change this week. Yes, they moved up from five to one And you're going to see a lot of new faces, so I'm excited to go through this all. Last week, they beat Texas Southern 59-7 to as 36-point favorites. Whoa, I'm going to just do a little calculation in my head, carry the two. Uh, Yeah, they covered. (laughs) Good job, Rice. This next week, they are at South Florida as 2.5-point favorites. Gave, uh, we're going to get into this a little later, but they gave Bama a little run for their money last week. So we might have a pretty good matchup over in South Florida. So don't sleep on it. At number two, little SEC love. We got Ole Miss, who is up from the eight spot from last week. Last week, they won at Georgia Tech in a little ACC. or My bad. Uh, they were playing a little ACC team. Beat the hell out of them. 48 to 23 as 17 point favorites. Not even a contest. Congratulations, Ole Miss. This next week, big matchup in Tuscaloosa. We got at Alabama. They are seven point underdogs right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Tuscaloosa is a tough place to play, but honestly, what Alabama's missing. Ole Miss seems to have, which is a quarterback. Let's move on. At number three, up from the up from the nine spot, we have Liberty. Last week, they won at Buffalo 55-27 as three-point favorites. Now, it uh, doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that they far beat the odds last week. This next week, they face Florida International as 10.5-point favorites right now. They are at Florida, too. So... Good matchup. Keep your eye on that. At number four, we have the Running Rebels out of Nevada, Las Vegas. Woo, party city, baby. Last week, they beat Vanderbilt 40-37 to 37 as four-and-a-half-point underdogs. This next week, they're at Texas El Paso, two-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. Number five, we have a little Pac-12 love. We got Arizona. Wildcats, baby. They beat Texas El Paso 31 to 10 last week as 18 and a half point favorites. This next week they face Stanford. Ooh, heading over to the Cali side, baby, 12 and a half point favorites in that game. Number 6, we got a little Big 10 love, Penn State. They won at Illinois last week 30 to 13 as 14 point favorites. This next week Another pretty interesting matchup for a lot of these viewers. Face Iowa. Currently 14.5-point favorites. I don't know. Can they face that Brian Ferentz offense, though? Got cooking a little last week, so we'll talk about that. Number seven, we have Oklahoma. Whew. There's one thing Oklahoma's doing. It's routing everybody they play and running up scores. Last week, they faced Tulsa. Beat them 66-17 on the road. And this next week, they're at Cincinnati. Fox kickoff game, too. They're 14-point favorites in that. Number eight, we got Syracuse, the Orange. Don't just call them a basketball school, guys. The Orange is back. Um, last week, they won at Purdue, 35-20, to 20, as only one-point favorites. So, uh, they covered. This next week, they face Army as 13.5-point favorites. Who? Army looked pretty good last week, so we might get some shakeup next week. Number nine, we have Oregon. My favorites to win the Pac-12 this year. Uh, they routed Hawaii 55-10 as 38-point favorites. This next week, they face Colorado at home. Uh, they are currently 20 and a half point favorites. A lot of hype about this game, especially with what Dion's doing over in Colorado, all the media attention it's getting. So it will be a big game. And to round out our people's top 10 for week four, we have Coastal Carolina. A little southern action for you, baby. Last week they killed Duquesne 66 to 7 as 34 and a half point favorites. This next week, better matchup. It's on Thursday, too. They face Georgia State, six-and-a-half-point favorite. So, you know, if you're tuning in either Wednesday or Thursday during work, you know, turn on ESPN on Thursday. Give that game a look because it's got some people's top ten indication. So that is this week's people's top ten. Congratulations to all recipients. Let's move on to a little bit of last week's college football, why don't we? There are a lot of headlines. I don't know where to start, but let's go with where all the media was. Last week, Colorado, Colorado State. College game day. In-state rivalry. Should have been a bad game. Wasn't, Wasn't a bad game. In fact, Colorado State... Should have won. They really should have won. I was expecting Colorado to go out, maybe not cover, but win by about 18 points. Colorado State looked like the better team. Let's be honest. Colorado State came out. They gave Colorado all the fighting power, all the headline news to put on their locker, get amped up to kill the Rams, and they didn't. They brought them to double overtime. Now, Let's start out with the atmosphere in Boulder before we get too far into the game. Game day was there. Fox kickoff was there. The whole, the la- on Thursday and Friday before the Saturday game, Pat McAfee show was there. First take was there. Boulder was a media fucking frenzy that week. I mean, it was, it was insane. It was just, uh, it was what's supposed to be a bad game and people were living in Boulder, Colorado. I think that's great, but man, you know, there's there, there wasn't a ton of great games, but you you got to be telling me that SEC matchup with Florida and Tennessee had to get a little bit of attention. Regardless. Awesome atmosphere. Colorado football fans couldn't have even imagined this last year. One team one you know, one team win last year. This year they already have 3 and they're undefeated so far. All right, let's get into the headlines going into the game. Jay Norville, coach of Colorado State, fueled Colorado by stating, when I talk to a grown man, I take off my hat and glasses. Obviously, when PMS, Pat McAfee Show, and First Take was there, they made shades to sell, make a little bit of merchandise, give some of it back to Colorado for some of the profits. (laughs) You don't do that. Obviously, Dion took it a little personal. He made a lot of comments. He's a fun guy. He's—I think the kids, the students, react to him really well. He knows how to—he knows how to get people motivated. That's one of his his greatest gifts. Dion was born to motivate people, and to get the players even more ramped up. You know, he gave him shades a day before, but in the pregame, he brought Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who, oh my God, I mean, uh, that that's such a cool sight to have that connection to bring him in. I mean, fucking rock star. You look at the dude and you're like, holy shit, I, I like you, but I'm also scared as fuck because, I mean, you could, pr- your your biceps are bigger than my head, bro. He brought them in, you know, he brought his mama in. And I mean that—that's going to get the kids going. That's going to get people running through walls to win an in-state rivalry with all the media attention that happened. They didn't start off hot. I thought they were going to lose. Dion Sanders, uh, you know, he let De, uh, Shandu Sanders, the son of Dion, he led a pretty convincingly good-looking drive at the end to. Force overtime. He looked good. Dion was quoted as saying that it was uh, looking like a Tom Brady type drive. I say don't get ahead of yourself. There's been a lot of people that have led you know game time drives, but uh, you know take it. He like he's motivating his kid. He's a Heisman candidate. He's doing good this year, so let's feed the fire a little. At first, you would think that everything would be going right for Colorado to kill it, but Colorado State looked like the better team. And then to win it, uh, Colorado got it. And honestly, I think the biggest mistake in the first overtime was that Colorado State did not go for two. I'm not going to say Jay Norvell screwed the game, but you're coming in as 20-point plus underdogs in this game on the road, and it's fucking 1.30 a.m. I mean, I was in Texas watching this at a bar, and everybody had their heads turned to this game because they're like, fuck, there's still football on. That's fucking insane. These kids got to be tired as fuck. I mean, imagine just the student section in general. Some of them were over at 4 o'clock a.m. getting ready for college game day to come in. And somehow they were able to stay awake until like 1 a.m. 1 when the game finally ended. Insane. What I'm trying to say is I really think that with all that at stake, you need to finish the game. If you get the chance to have the last opportunity to win the game, you know you're not the better team. You know you're not more talented than them. And yes, he said he believed in his players, but you're not going to win that game. So you got to gamble and either win or lose on a two-point conversion. I'm not a college coach, and there's a lot of people that are smarter at football than I am. All I'm saying is it doesn't take a genius to know that that has got to be a little bit more of a thought. He brought his kicker out there for an extra point without even fucking thinking. So... But who am I? I'm just a dude on a fucking bar stool watching the game next to a crowd of people in Texas Longhorn gear. We were all kind of thinking the same thing, but we all were kind of cheering for Colorado anyway. So we were like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> they weren't, Colorado's defense wasn't going to stop him on that two-point conversion. So we were kind of happy that he did it because that gave Colorado a chance on offense. Because if there's one thing they do really well this year, it's offense at least especially with Travis Hunter out on the defensive end. That's a lot. Let's move on. Colorado's game was insane. It was fun. Now, an arguably arguably better game that happened earlier on in the day was the Missouri Tigers, baby. A lot of storylines. I mean, I thought that that game was maybe going to be a blowout. I thought Kansas State was the better team. But boy, oh boy, did those boys in Columbia prove me wrong. And you know what? I'm happy they did. Missouri hasn't been much recently. They're in the SEC. They get dogged down when conference play happens. This is a big thing to happen. Kansas State's a very good team, and Missouri brought it to them. I mean, let's look at some of these stat lines. Brady Cook, 23 for 35 And he had 356 yards. Insane. He showed up to play. Brady Cook, you're cooking, brother. We got Harrison Melvin. This is a great story. Harrison Melvin is nicknamed the Thicker Kicker. If you didn't see him, it's hard to miss his ass cheeks from a fucking mile away. The dude's got some cheeks. He's got a caboose. So... One cool thing about the thicker kicker, Harrison Melvin, is he has what I think, and I'm going to say this out loud, the coolest NIL deal out of all college sports. He has an NIL deal with the Campus Bar and Grill in Columbia, and it is called the Thicker Kicker Burger. Fucking awesome. So this is a two-pound beef burger with four strips of bacon, Colby Jack cheese, lettuce, tomato, and special sauce. And if you know me, you know that the two things I love in life is a good food challenge and a good set of cheeks. Harrison Melvin brings both that to the table. No homo, but... uh, (laughs) Pretty cool NIL deal, and I'm kind of on board with the Melvin train right now. So, cool, great game. I'm so happy for Missouri. A, a lot of cool storylines from it, and I don't know. Go Tigers, baby. Let's move on to what I have declared this podcast's favorite rivalry game in college sports. Of course, I am talking about the backyard brawl between West Virginia Mountaineers and the Pittsburgh uh, Tigers? Uh, whatever, who cares? West Virginia versus Pitt. West Virginia ended up winning this game 17-6 to in the backyard brawl. So, congratulations, Mountaineers. You took it home. For those of you that didn't watch it, Uh, Good for you, because this game fucking sucked. But it was a beautiful thing in many other regards. If, If you love good defense, you'd love this game. If you love drop passes, you'd love this game. If you love third, three and outs across the board, you would have loved this game. Now, a couple notes is a cool statistic from this is that the total number of completed passes was 14. I'm talking between both teams. Pittsburgh had eight completions during that game. West Virginia had six. Now, the coolest headline from this game was when West Virginia defensive back Beanie Bishop, by the way, really cool name. Uh, His mama really, really did him right by giving him that name. Beanie Bishop blasts Pittsburgh quarterback and calls him bad at his job. That's fucking awesome. Call a spade a spade, Beanie, because that's that that's good trash talk, especially when your own quarterback had two less completions <laughs> than the pit quarterback. So I get it. I love it. Uh, it's a good rivalry game that I don't think a lot of people around the Midwest talk about, and it's a very hidden rivalry game. And sometimes the word just needs to get brought up. Of course, both teams are not very good at the spread right now, nor other categories that us people like to talk about. So, you know, West Virginia, though they won it, they are not in this week's People's Top 10. We really tried hard to find some noise to bring them in, but it's just not going to happen this week. Keep it up, though. That backyard brawl win goes a long ways into your People's consideration. So... You know, Pittsburgh, obviously they were in the preseason polls just because of winning that game. So a little hint hint. Next year, you might make a little noise to start out. So congratulations, huge win goes a long ways. Let's move on to our Hawkeye fans. IOWA baby. For those of you that didn't watch, Iowa might have the best offense in the league. They hung 41 points on those Western Kentucky Mustangs, baby. Go Hawks. What are we talking about? A thing we're going to continue to talk about week in and week out is Brian Ferentz and his climb to 325 points. (laughs) I got a couple statistics I'm going to read for you with how he's progressed throughout the year. Because this 41 points went a long way into his 325 that he needs on the year. Just for reference, he needs to average 25 per game. So he's three games in. Do a little bit of math. He needs to be at 75 at this point in the season. Let me just tell you, he's at 85 through three games. So my man Brian Ferentz is getting it done on the offensive end. Elite offensive coordinator, if I might say. A couple more notes is he needs 240 more points. So I'm not saying you need to start, uh, you know, every touchdown, you're going to need to keep pushing them down. But uh, I am saying he's not out of the doghouse yet, and he's about to start Big Ten play, which let's be honest, there's going to maybe be a Wisconsin or an Illinois game where it ends 10-7. So he needed every point from that 41-point you know, victory against uh, Western, you know, Western Kentucky. So, all right. I'm not going to get into too much uh, conspiracy, but are we going to talk about how Kirk may have run up the points just a little bit? Uh, He knows that his uh, Nepo offensive coordinator son is, uh, he needs his points right now. That was a game where everybody knew they had to maximize it. They didn't do it in the first week versus Utah State. They didn't do it against Iowa State, though they did a lot better than <laughs> they were starting to get on the right track in that game. They knew they needed to get above the curb going into Big 10 play. And I'm not saying that they had to, you know, maybe just play stall ball the last couple drives, but he didn't even think about doing stall ball. So, Kirk Ferentz, uh, are you just trying to keep your son employed? Because I've talked about it before. I know a guy named Bill Belichick that is probably looking for an assistant to the offensive line coach. He'll be employed somewhere, but you don't got to go, you know. If there's one thing we know about Iowa is they, they think about points every game. They really do. They did it with gambling last year and the years before that, and they're doing it with a uh, little Nepo offensive coordinator, Brian Ferenc, this year. So don't think I'm not watching, brother. I'm watching right now. All right, last fact from the Iowa football team. The defense and special teams has 10.6% of the points so far this year. They have a safety and a pick six, which goes a long way when you only have you know 85 points on the year. So, keep up the good work, Phil Parker. Keep keep the sun in business, too. Do your part. We need you sometime. So, I wanted to include that. Good job, defense. They do say the best offense is a good defense. And that is 100% how I think Brian Ferentz preps his team before a big game. All right. I have a couple more games. The one last... Big team I wanted to talk about is Bama. Alabama, what is going on in Tuscaloosa, man? Oh, they, for those of you that didn't see the final score or watch, Alabama beat South Florida 17 to 3. For those of you that don't know, South Florida should have lost by, we're talking four touchdowns, maybe five. Alabama is not your grandfather's Alabama. Alabama is not even your daddy's Alabama. Alabama is not your three-year-old son's Alabama that he knew when he was one year old. This is an Alabama team that could lose four games this year. They are not rolling tide over in Tuscaloosa right now. In fact, they are on panic mode. I'm not trying to play the blame game, but Tyler, uh, what's his name? Tyler Buchner, he started last week because they can't figure out who to start as quarterback. The first two weeks, they had Jalen Milrow start, and for whatever reason, they decided that they needed bigger output. Jalen Milrow played really good the first week. And then he played a Texas team, which has a pretty solid defense. They gave up only like a touchdown versus Rice. They only gave up 10 points versus Wyoming. And obviously Alabama only scored about 20-ish points in their game against Texas. They freaked out. They overreacted. And because of the new offensive coordinator Tommy Reese's influence on putting back up Tyler Buchner into the game. They blew this game. The people thought they were going to lose this game. They, it was panic mode. I mean, they couldn't score in the first half. They couldn't do shit in the first half. I'm, I'm not saying Nick Saban needs to go back into his ways where he micromanaged his offensive coordinators to make them really push But I'm just saying, Tommy Rees isn't ready for the job. This is not Florida. This is not Notre Dame. This is not Iowa. This is Alabama. This is you don't win. You kick the shit out of people and you compete for titles. The only teams you should be competing with are the best five teams in the fucking league. He's not ready for this job. And it was obvious. It was obvious. I mean, they went through two quarterbacks in this game. The the second one was Ty Simpson. He didn't do anything. Obviously, Tyler Buchner didn't do anything. And now we're going back into Ole Miss this next week. And they're somehow favorites in this game when they don't know what their quarterback situation is. They they do know who they're starting going into this next game, which is what I would agree with is Jalen Milrow. But they don't have any gauge on what this offense is. Let's give it to them. They have talent. They have ability. They have five-star recruits. They should be winning games. And you put Caleb Williams on this Alabama team, this is a fucking animal. But they just don't have that. And so you, at this point, need to build around a different situation on offense with Jalen Milrow. He's the best athlete. He's shown promise, and you just have to figure out a different type of offense to run more of a Lamar Jackson-style, RG, you know, Baylor RG3-style offense. He's a running back at quarterback. He's a, he's a fucking animal. So use that as a strength somehow. They have a couple more days to figure it out, but Tommy Rees, man— You've had all fucking offseason to figure this out. You have all the talent you could ask for outside of maybe quarterback. Work around it. Have a run-based team, you know? You can still win games, and you can still move the ball. You just aren't going to do it the normal way Alabama would when they had, you know, Bryce Young, when they had Tua. Find a way. You're just going to have to build a different brand of football, and maybe it will work out in your favor. They, they have one loss on the season. I'm not trying to overreact. I'm just trying to say Alabama ain't it right now. This ain't Alabama that we know. So, I mean, let, let, let's see how next week goes. They have a test. Lane Kiffin has, has a quarterback. He absolutely has a solid quarterback, and Alabama doesn't. Alabama has a good defense. They have a good offensive line. They don't. They have a solid run game, and they don't have crazy skilled receivers that we're used to. I mean, they don't have that Najee Harris. They don't have the um, Devonta Smith that they've had in the past. But they have a solid offense that they can build around. And I'm just kind of excited to see what we see. Uh, This is going to be the statement game. I think Texas, obviously I'm biased, but I think Texas is a competitive college football playoff team. So that loss to Texas, they went out. Alabama's probably, they went out, they're not only going to win the SEC and go to the college football playoffs, but they, they might make some noise. They're probably a two seed unless somebody's, uh, they, they could be a one seed if there's no undefeated teams, but they are in the college football playoffs if they win out. Whoever wins the SEC is always going to be in the college football playoffs. So it's far from over. And luckily, it's week three. It was South Florida. You won. Yes, you dropped in the rankings. And yes, you're making a lot of noise on platforms like mine. But I mean, you'll get it together, man. I'm not going to talk about this anymore until I see what they do next Saturday. I'm kind of excited to see what kind of Alabama we see. Moving on. We have a couple notables I wanted to bring up before I just have a couple headlines from the NFL. We have what I am calling the phony name game that occurred last week. I am talking about North American University versus Portland State. This was maybe on ESPN Plus, but you went, this was not on your, your cable television, guys. I'm calling it the phony name game because we have North American University that somehow represents the whole country. For those of you that don't know, this is a college based out in Texas. You know, let's be honest, sometimes Texas thinks they are the country, so give or take a little bit. North American University versus phony Portland State. Portland is not a state, so that is that throws me off right there. I, I don't understand this matchup. I'm very glad that these phonies went up against each other because one does not represent the country, and I'm not going to claim that, and the other one isn't even a state, and they claim that they're a state university. So, I mean, get it, get it, get it, get it together, guys. Come on. Let's go. All right, the end of that game uh, was Portland State winning 91-0. Yeah, this is not the team. (laughs) That team in that college does not represent my country. Fuck no. (laughs) All right, the coolest part about it was Portland State faced Oregon a couple weeks back, and Portland State lost to Oregon. Get this, 81-7. This team does not know how to play competitive football they blow out or they get blown out. All they know is blow, <laughs> which, which can be good and bad depending on the type of blowing that we're talking about. And I will not extrapolate on that any more than what I just did. Let's move on to a little bit of mid-American conference football. Might I say Maction, as some refer to it as. All right, Cyclones, get it out. I won't rip you one too much because I had such a fun time at our tailgate week one. But uh, Matt Campbell ain't that... I'm starting to think maybe Brock Purdy was the reason Matt Campbell was so good. Brock Purdy's still doing something. And Matt Campbell just lost to Mac Conference football team Ohio. It was 10-7. to 7. I will say one thing good about Iowa State and that is that you probably should have brought that to overtime. But I will say one other bad thing is this is why you don't play group of 5 teams on the road. They could not physically they did not physically have the media presence to be able to replay a made field goal. They basically kicked the ball. It was pretty close, but you could you could see from the replays on Twitter on uh, pretty much everything else but the gear in the stadium that that was a made made field goal slightly made but it was a made field goal and that would have brought it to overtime and it would have gave Iowa State a chance to win what should have been a non-competitive game but that's what you get for scheduling a away group of five game they just don't have the technology man that's why you get out the budget you you get the checkbook ready and you say all right Ohio get you get your fucking ass over here and play us and you know Jack Trice. That's why you pay for those games because you go over there, and of course it shouldn't have been a game in the first place, but you also, you know, you 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 made it happen yourself. Alright. Enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice to you guys. You guys should have won that game, but let's just say it's on your AD for scheduling it at Ohio. But let's just agree on that. Alright. Let's move on to Mac. Number two Miami Ohio Beat Cincinnati in overtime Yes Not a great matchup But an interesting matchup Because this is a rivalry game Cincinnati now a Big 12 team Used to be a group of five teams So this makes sense Two group of fives in the same state Facing each other It now doesn't seem like it's much of a game But Miami Ohio Has not won the victory bell In over a decade. And guess who's ringing that motherfucker the next year, baby? That is Miami of Ohio. Some were calling it week one, the real Miami, when they faced Miami, Florida. That game didn't go too well, but uh, Cincinnati not looking good moving into Big 12 play. Let's get it together, Bearcats. That is what I have for notes This week on college football. I'm not going to get too much into the NFL this week. Um, My Packers lost. And I am really excited about Jordan Love so far, but I am not as excited about everybody else on the team. (laughs) We blew it. It happens. Let's focus on two big things that happen. I'm talking about Thursday night football, and I'm talking about Monday night football, guys let's go Eagles beat Vikings in Thursday night football now it wasn't much of a game for most of it but Kirk Cousins did his thing brought him back gave him a chance and the Eagles with their insane run they were able to close the gap finish it up run out the clock one thing the Vikings had four turnovers and one of them went viral For those of you that didn't watch the game, there was one where Justin Jefferson caught the ball, reached out into the end zone, and lost a little bit control of the ball, and it went through the end zone out of bounds, and that, in football, is a touchback for the defense taking possession on offense now. Eagles ball at the 20, when it should have been not only points for fantasy owners, but uh, points for the Vikings, who with that touchdown would have been a very different game. That is an insane rule. That is a stupid rule because you think about how you play football and how football players interpret the game. You reach out, you try to give that extension of the ball to get that extra inch. Get football, NFL especially, is a game of inches. You're telling me all you gotta do is reach out a little bit, try to get a little extra, you know, yardage on it, and you got a touchdown. However, when you do that, you end up getting a fucking touchback, and then the other team's defense now is going the other way. It makes no sense. It is a stupid rule. And I I, I think that instead of talking about how they should banish Jalen Hurts doing, you know, QB sneaks, and that uh, you know booty touch, booty push rule to try to make it harder on the Eagles to not go for for fourth and whatever up to three every time they have a fourth down because it was unstoppable. I think they should have paid more attention to how that is a stupid rule. They're never going to change it. It's in the books. It's going to happen for the rest of our lives. All I'm saying is if that was my Packers, I would be fucking furious. And I can imagine Viking fans are absolutely pissed about it. I will say that I don't think Viking fans expected to win that going into it because them, much like me, probably think there's a very good chance the Eagles are in the Super Bowl playing for a, a title, you know, when we get into you know late winter. However, I am saying that that could have been the difference in a, a pretty primetime football game, and it could have pumped up Kirk's numbers in primetime games a little bit more. Kirk looks awesome. Stop fucking saying you need to trade him. Stop fucking saying you need to get a new quarterback. It's not the quarterback. <laughs> I'd be interested in debating this with anybody that thinks Kirk Cousins is the reason the Vikings are losing. Because he's not. He's putting up insane numbers. He's giving it to the playmakers that he needs. K- fucking what, what's his name? Uh, KJ. KJ couldn't catch fucking big balls. Thrown right at him. What's that? And... If you're, if you're saying the problem isn't with the offensive line, I don't think you've watched any of the games. So we'll leave it at that. Stop blaming Kirk when there's bigger things at hand with a complete team. This is the NFL. You need the best team to win it all. Otherwise, you know, there would have been multiple years where the MVPs winning it, and no, they didn't. It's because they didn't have a good defense with them. You can run up points. But you got to make a stop. You can't play both sides of the ball. Not even Travis Hunter is going to end up playing both sides of the ball in the NFL. So, last game, we have rapist Deshaun Watson versus uh, second year pro, I think, Kenny Pickett. Good matchup. <laughs> Good matchup. Anyway, Steelers Browns, Monday Night Football. Pretty interesting matchup. I'm starting to think that the Steelers are replicating the other team in black and yellow, and that is the Iowa Hawkeye football program. Uh, All I'm saying is the Steelers might be the new Iowa for multiple reasons. Let's start with the uniforms. Let's move on to how the defense tends to outscore the offense in many of their games. And let's finish up with how um, the fan bases know the offensive coordinators well enough to chant about how they should be fired. On a regular basis, so Steelers are they Iowa football? Yes. <laughs> Anyways, last three Monday Night Football games have included the following situations: Demar Hamlin died. That is a fact. Rogers tore his Achilles. is out for a year. May not play again. Claims he will. May not play again though. That happened last week. And then last week, uh, Nick or last night technically, because uh, I'm putting this on, I'm filming on Tuesday, it's going to come out on Wednesday, but on Monday Night Football this past week, we had Nick Chubb absolutely break his leg. That thing went in a 90 degree angle. So I am just happy that my Packers don't play until 10-9, so maybe this whole fucking curse can go away. But I'm also hoping that the two Monday night football games we get, maybe the Packers aren't, uh, I don't want to say good, but I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I just hope that it gets flexed. There's time. There's a couple of weeks until their first Monday night football game, and all I'm saying is I wouldn't be mad watching the Chiefs play another one. I wouldn't be mad watching even the fucking Browns with their rapist quarterback play on primetime TV again. Because I will not have one of my players—I don't know—it could be anything from dying to you know being out for a year, but it's somewhere in between that, and I'm not going to have that happen, guys. Monday night football is a curse, and I'm just glad I got a little bit of time to salvage a, a fun, a couple fun weeks before one of my teammates or one of my team's players dies. It's too bad. It's too sad, but it is the. It is the route we're going right now. So that is football. That is the show, guys. A lot to digest. Hopefully you had a fun time. I know I had a fun time. It was just a solo show today. We'll get some guests on here real fast for you. Get a couple more interesting opinions out there. Well, I'm not gonna lie, guys. Last weekend I was I mean, last weekend I was in Austin, Texas. I slept for a lot of Sunday. I kept up with what was happening, but I did not have a lot of time to prepare, so I just wanted to get a show out there for you. A lot can happen in a week, and I had to keep you guys with all the media and all the news that you need to get throughout this next week. So, you know, uh, hopefully you had a fun time. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And I hope all your teams, any picks that you have, win this next weekend.